0: I think technology is certainly a theme that can't be ignored, but I think, yes, very much so, um, the dividends and value, the door is open.
1: Welcome to Views from the Desk, a special edition of the BMO ETFs podcast. In these timely episodes, we provide the latest investment news and expert commentary on the markets, the economy, and investing. Brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management. One week after U.S. Election Day, markets are at record highs based on news of a potential vaccine for COVID-19. However, the equity rally has been, to say the least, uneven. Some sectors have outperformed, many others have lagged. In today's episode, Chris Heeks offers insights to help your clients tap the upside through innovative ETF strategies, and Matt Montemiro weighs in from the fixed income desk on the election, the pandemic, and more. Before we hear from our experts, please remember to subscribe to this podcast and bookmark BMOETFs.ca in your browser.
2: Hello, and welcome to the BMO Global Asset Management Canada Weekly ETF Insights Call for Advisors. I'm your host, Mark Rays, I'm the head of product for BMO Game Canada, covering ETFs and funds. I'd like to thank everyone for joining us this morning. We certainly appreciate your time. Thanks for listening in. Hopefully, thanks for some questions at the end. We're joined today by Chris Heeks and Matt Montemiro, both PMs on our ETF desk. Chris focuses on equity and derivative strategies, while Matt focuses on fixed income. Let's dive right into things. We've certainly had an eventful week. Um, We can look back from the US election just last week and see that President-elect Biden preparing to take office. Meanwhile, President Trump and the Republicans have yet to concede and look to be gearing up for a significant legal battle. And on the COVID front, at the same time, Uh, we've received news now that a vaccine might be closer than we would have guessed with some very promising clinical trials out there, just as cases have been climbing drastically. So with all of that going on, how have equity markets reacted? And what does that mean for our defensive growth approach? I'll give that to Chris. Thanks.
0: Yeah, thanks, Mark. Um, You know, I think it took a big piece of news to distract from that presidential Saga uh, drama of uh, you know, I don't think The West Wing could have written up uh, drama as much as we've had this election cycle. Uh, but I really think the big piece of news this week is the vaccine uh, news coming out of Pfizer that they they think they have something that's ninety percent effective um, in terms of of uh, preventing um, you know people from getting exposed to that virus. So very very good news received very well by the equity markets. You know, there's still some questions with that. You know, certainly, equity markets sometimes do like to get a little bit ahead of themselves. You know, we don't know how long this vaccine is effective for. To me, that's one of the bigger questions. But, you know, that being said, I think it is you know reasonable to to see that as a very positive development. You know, if you look at what happened in the markets Monday, you know, you know, as the news was released pre-market, Monday was somewhat of a, I would say, an epic rally. Um, at least intraday, the S and P got up to about three percent up. Um, the Dow Jones was up four percent international equities were up between five to eight percent. So very, very positive day. We did see that um, strong rally kind of move back to about, um, you know, a, a more modest game by the end of the day. Um, that comes off, as you mentioned, a week of rallies, you know, really going into the election, the day of the election and, and post-election. You know, so I, so I think, you know, we talked about two catalysts for equity markets. One was, res- uh, you know, resolution around who's going to be the president. You know, I think we're we're, like you said, I think we're 98% of the way there, barring some, you know, very unforeseen, you know, attempt by the Republicans to somehow um, take that election. But it, it looks like, you know, that the market feels um, clear in the outcome there, and and the other catalyst was vaccine, um, a vaccine catalyst. So I think we've got both of those. And you know, what was kind of interesting in the markets Monday was it was actually a historic day for factor reversal. So you know what we mean by that is, you know, momentum and growth. Have obviously been leading the market higher, most notably by tech. Um, Looking at those factor portfolios, momentum and growth had their worst uh, one-day portfolio uh, return in about over 10 years, and so it was really like it was one of those kind of 10 sigma events that we we see somewhat more often than we should in in this uh, world of finance. And on the other side, value and dividends who have had, as you know, as we all know, uh, very t- uh, uh, challenged performers this year, significantly outperformed. So, you know, although there's a big, epic, uh, you know, we called it an epic rally, but the NASDAQ is actually down this week. So the NASDAQ's down 4%. So circling all back to kind of the defensive growth approach, uh, one thing that, you know, it's always great to see with our ZUQ, the U.S. quality and ZGQ as well, uh, still outperforming. So although NASDAQ is down, you know our quality has an overweight to tech. Uh, ZUQ is still outperforming, so we saw that again in September, and it's good that we continue to see that. Um, that 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 ZDUQ, which invests in quality companies, companies with very strong balance sheets, um, profitable companies, kind of better than their competitors. They, don't, you know, those stronger companies don't always suffer the fate as you know, kind of some of the more risky. Tech names, so VEDUQ uh, is, is performing great, even in the context of a market that the dynamics have shifted a little bit. Um, so stepping back, you know, do we do we alter approach? I still think quality is, you know, market still think quality is is the backbone. I think there's still a lot of questions out there. And you mentioned with with COVID, the cases are very high. You know, yes, we've got a very nice shot, no pun of, no pun intended, or maybe pun intended, uh, from this news of the vaccine. Uh, nice shot to the arm of the market, but, you know, again, there's questions with the vaccine. There's questions on the, you know, how this COVID um, is still going to roll out. So I think you still want to be in that defensive growth approach. You know, I think if you learned one thing from the market this week, it's that you want to stay invested. Uh, we don't exactly know when these equity rallies and these good news are going to come. Um, so you, you want to stay kind of true to your asset allocation exposure and, and stay invested. But I think ZUQ or ZGQ and Global are still a really great tool to get exposure to the market.
2: Right. Thanks for that, Chris. So
0: definitely hearing that our
2: defensive growth, the equality uh, is, is still a good approach in, in this market. And it's interesting the, the questions that still exist around the election, of course, the first being, will, will Trump cooperate and will, will Biden uh, be able to uh, get to work? And then, of course, the second would be the, the Senate races that are that are still out there uh, in the January. Now, as a follow-up to that, Chris, uh, what would the spillover be as as a result of all this to Canadian markets? Uh, And is there an associated trade idea that you would think about as a Canadian exposure? Thanks.
0: Yeah, so kind of the same dynamics that we saw in the U.S., we saw pretty much around the globe, and Canada was no exception. Uh, Very large factor reversals in Canada. And so, again, we saw those uh, value and dividend stocks really outperforming this week. Um, we saw REITs, you know, really outperforming this week. So essentially, you know, sectors that were under a lot of pressure, um, kind of from the COVID lows, um, regaining a lot of lost ground. Now, I think in terms of a trade idea, we'll go back to Canadian banks, I think is still the preferred vehicle. And certainly they, they've outperformed this week as well. So whether it's ZEB, you know, or Equal Weight Canadian Banks or ZWB, um, Equal Weight Canadian Banks with that covered call overlay to generate more income. Um, you know, those are up, well, they're up a tidy eight and a half percent to start the month. So, again, this, this kind of factor reversal with this good news of the, um, uh, you know, this, this vaccine, positive momentum, um, really benefiting. And I think, you know, Canadian banks, uh, they're still meat on the trade. You know, they're still underperforming the index year to date. Um, and, and banks are still yielding five percent. They tick just under five percent. I think it's four point nine five percent. I think I just looked this morning. But you know that's still a really good level for Canadian banks. You know, on, on historical average, they yield about four uh, percent. They've got great pricing power, and um, and and, and uh, you know, as we've talked before, that higher yield is you know conducive to higher returns going forward um, on a historical basis. So. Um, you know, I think, I think, you know, as Canadians, we could do a lot worse uh, than investing in Canadian banks. I think they've proven themselves uh, historically, and I, I think that's a good place to look for, you know, Canadian investors. And as, as you know, this path is not going to be without bumps, uh, certainly, but, you know, I expect uh, banks certainly to prevail over the next, you know, kind of 12 to 18 months as we, as we navigate, you know, continue to navigate the environment.
2: Thanks, Chris, and we we definitely have seen that uh, that lift in ZEB, uh, you know, post election. So, for those that have been listening to your call on Canadian banks, they they certainly profited by that uh, this month.
1: You're listening to Views from the Desk, a special edition of the BMO ETFs podcast. If you're enjoying the episode, we encourage you to tune in to our deep dive series where we take you under the hood of BMO GAM Solutions. Our latest episode features the BMO Quality ETF Suite, a full complement of tools to help you access the best companies from around the world. For more information, please see the episode notes below.
2: So Matt, let's let's go your way and turn to fixed income. With the same news out there, how have bond markets reacted? And what does this mean for investors who have looked to the shelter of, of higher quality bonds? Are, are we staying on that, that trade idea, uh, or do you see other opportunities out there? Thank you.
3: So, as Chris had mentioned, uh, we've seen equity markets rally this week with a risk on tone overall in the markets. So, this has left bond markets down slightly. Uh, as in Canada, we Seen some uh, curve steepening with 10-year and 30-year yields up about 15 basis points. Uh, two-year yields remain flat, and five-year yields are up about 10 basis points. Overall, uh, very constructive and risk-on steepening here. So as well, we've seen credit spreads continue to tighten, and they've come in about 10 basis points. This is all basically since since the election and since the announcement of of the vaccine results. So with these moves, uh, we saw government bonds underperform corporate bonds, and we saw longer duration underperform shorter duration. With that all being said, the FTSE universe or or ZAG in terms of our ETF uh, has been close to flat. So due to those counteracting moves, so it kind of just shows, you know, when we have a whole bunch of counteracting uh, moves risk on, in, in in the market, you know duration, underperforming, corporate outperforming. Something like an aggregate exposure does provide that kind of steady return that you want for your fixed income. So you know just from an overall fixed income perspective, we saw a relatively flat market where certain segments had uh, a little bit more pain. So continued good news on the vaccine front, like we saw on Monday, should lead to further steepening and rising rates as it would bring a faster recovery to the economy so that being said uh, i think that this will still take some time uh, estimates of a, of a widespread vaccine uh, release are spring at the earliest um, you know we still need to get more details into the vaccine is it as, as chris had mentioned is it a one-time vaccine is it something you need to get every year uh, those are still details that need to be ironed out so until then, until we, we we know the results of the vaccine, and, and then we see widespread um, distribution, you know, there's still going to be second second wave fears and, and second wave impact uh, on markets that you know should still hurt the markets, still spur volatility uh, until we see that. So, from my perspective, uh, quality fixed income, as we've been suggesting over the last you know, six plus months, uh, it's still strong. So something like ZQB, so quality corporate bonds, I think it c- continues to be an attractive way to uh, play this market. You would benefit from spread tightening as, you know, over the long-term you'd think that this is a risk on as, as the economy starts to recover. But while you're providing yourself downside protection, uh, potentially from some higher beta names, um, longer duration, as we are going to have bumps along the way before widespread uh, distribution is uh, a, a real thing. We've also been talking about duration in the portfolio, so d- longer duration products as a standalone you know, may see some downside here with continued curve steepening and longer term uh, rising rates. Um, so that threat i think you know from a standalone you could see some underperformance from from duration in that perspective but when you're looking at duration from a portfolio context i think it's still prudent as a portfolio stabilizer. so although we are seeing some curve deepening we expect rates to increase we have to keep in mind that we are starting from an historically low level therefore duration you know, fixed income is not providing, even if we see these rising rates, the yield that we once saw two, four, five years ago. Therefore, duration does provide that portfolio stabilization over, you know, the next six to 12 months that I think is important for fixed income and is important important in a total portfolio context, uh, uh, stabilizing your equity market volatility. So I do think it's important to see this week's news as optimistic, but there's no need to necessarily panic and completely reallocate to riskier assets just yet. Until the vaccine is widely distributed, there will be continued to there, there, there's going to be continued um, negative drag on the economy. Uh, although there's optimism, I, I think the reality of the situation is that we're still in the second wave. COVID cases are still going up. You know, we're still not going to be back to normal tomorrow. So that being said, I think this still is a perfect environment for something like ZQB, where we are looking at quality corporate bonds. You can take advantage of that risk on over the longer term as spreads would continue to tighten as the uh, the economy starts to recover, but also per, uh, protecting yourself from the downside of any high beta names uh, if, if the distribution of the vaccine takes a little bit longer than expected. So I think from a positioning standpoint, ZQB remains a, a, key, um, a, a key recommendation from us. And I think the allocation, given what we've seen in the markets right now, is still a, a prudent moment in your portfolio.
2: Great, right. thanks for that, Matt. And certainly- Certainly consistent with our with our views on equities. So appreciate that, Chris. Let me let me come back to you uh, as we continue to think about some of the changes that are that are in play. Can you give us an equity sector idea that you think could benefit from this transition, particularly as as Biden has already come out uh, with his key priorities, and as well uh, an area
0: where you would stay, steer clear. Uh, yeah, thanks, Mark. And you know, I think you you alluded to it a couple minutes ago. You know, there's still some some unanswered questions. Let's let's consider the Biden versus Trump question to be answered. Um, I think that's a reasonable assumption. But um, you know, as you mentioned, the the Senate still a little bit a uh, little bit more uncertainty there. Uh, you know, I, I think the first kind of comment is overall. You know, and, and we said this regardless of president, regardless of um, you know control of the Senate that. There's going to be stimulus coming. The Democrats are actually pushing for larger stimulus than the Republicans. So that's, um, that's overall, obviously, a good thing for, for equity markets. Um, I actually think, you know, the Republicans, and it, it is the favored, um, you know, again, I don't know. I don't, I don't know to what extent we should rely on polls these days. But, it, but it, you know, looking at polls and, and uh, probabilities, you know, the Republicans are favored to maintain control of the Senate. You know, I think probably that's the most likely outcome that they can get one at least one of two seats in Georgia. Um, I don't see that as a bad thing for the markets. You know, I think that's going to kind of stave off um, Biden's pledge to raise uh, corporate taxes. So, actually, you know, I think it's becoming clear that this this kind of government this 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 can work well. So, to answer your question, uh, what what's going to what, let's let's work under the assumption of Biden as president and Republican Senate. You know, what what. Um, Are we looking at uh, certainly traditional energy as as being um, under pressure? You know, Biden is known for his two trillion green new deal. Uh, I think the first statement I saw from him is he's rejoining the Paris climate accord. So going to be some pressure there. And I think pharmaceuticals, you know, the Democrats are going to probably put a little more pressure on the pharmaceutical industry. You know, we hear also noise in the IT tech space about regulation, and it's, it's still, I'd say that's much more earlier noise, and technology is obviously a major secular theme of our time, so I wouldn't say underweight technology, but um, you know, a little bit of noise to, to watch there. Um, in terms of what does he help, you know, I think financials, he helps, and we've seen that um, through uh, last week and this week, even accelerate with the vaccine news. Uh, international equities, you know, we think Biden, you know, might be able to work with um, other countries, perhaps um, more effectively, and, and and that that may, you know, reduce investor concern in, in terms of investing in, in international equities. Uh, so to translate those into ideas, you know, I think watching exposure to healthcare and energy um, is something investors should do. Um, our healthcare is the ZUH. Um, the nice thing about that is we're actually underweight pharma. But, you know, if you have a healthcare exposure and go into that and i look and, and look at really look at that pharma exposure, you know, I think the, the biotech and the healthcare supplies and services, those are all great themes going forward. So is pharma, but I think the pharma is the subsector to look at there. So, again, our, uh, you know, I like, I like the way our ETF rolls out being, being significantly underweight pharma. Um, you know, look at that energy exposure and, you know, to go back to, you know, what sector could benefit, you know, let's stick with the banks. Let's stick with the US banks. You know, and then now they're a little different than than Canadian banks, obviously more risky, more volatile, but you know, it's a similar type of story. They're yielding 3.3%. They're up, uh, I believe, about 10%, if not a little more, months to date. Um, There's even more meat, I think, left on that trade versus Canada. It's a riskier trade. Uh, So I don't think you, you have as much weight to that satellite as you do the Canadian banks. Um, but I think it's very interesting. Um, they're also, you know, the volatility gives our cover call version, the ZWK, you know, very high yield is yielding still 10%. Um, but whether you want to go for cover calls or just plain uh, financials with the ZBK unhedged or ZUB, the edged version, um, I think that's something you can look at. And, you know, I think, you know, the, some of the market moves you've had this week proves that, you know, you, you have to have a broader based recovery. And I think that's going to include the banks.
2: Thanks, Chris. And just one last quick one for you before we go to the lines. Uh, yes, you actually spoke to some of the factor reversal at the beginning of the week. Uh, does this open the door for for a broader recovery and a more sustained, balanced uh, contribution to markets? You know, when you think of dividends, you think of value, uh, or or do you think it's going to be uh, more of the same, the continuation of these these concentrated new economy uh, names. Thank you.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's a bit of both. I hate to say that, and that's the answer. I think technology is certainly a theme that can't be ignored, but I think, yes, very much so, um, the dividends and value, uh, the door is open. And I think the rally we got on Monday is kind of a beacon to me of, of where we're going. Um, now, we're not going to go there overnight, you know, the economy's not going to reopen overnight, and COVID's not going away overnight, obviously. So um, it's, it's going to be a bumpy road. It's going to be a much bumpier road, I think, than, than the last week suggests. And, you know, Matt had some comments to that effect as well. But, but I think it did show um, investors a little perspective on, on where we're going um, over the next... Month. Hopefully, it's going to be, you know, don't know exactly when, 12 to 18 months, we're saying it, You know, as a, as a generic, but could be a little less, could be a little more. We're not not exactly sure. Uh, but there's a lot of room, to your point, on dividends and value to recover. So value is not one that we've talked about. At least we haven't talked about it too much from a positive perspective uh, recently. But we've got a couple ETFs in that space, ZBC and ZBU, that, that I think investors can look at starting to, um, to have a little tilt there to potentially outperform with that value exposure as we you know, navigate and hopefully continue to get good news in the vaccine space. Uh, that connection between dividends and value is 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 pretty close as well. You know, companies with higher dividend yields tend to have a little bit more depressed share prices. That's what gives them a higher yield. So um, there's a connection there. So usually when dividends uh, outperform, value outperforms, and, and vice versa. So dividends, you know, ZDV, ZDY, Canada and US, or whether you do it in the covered call space with our high dividend covered call lineup, you know, which is pretty extensive. Knows that WC that WH that WE, that WG are global or most recent um, yeah I think investors can definitely look at um, you know having some exposure to to take advantage as we as we you know I, I think looks more and more positive that over at least the medium to longer term we're, we're going to navigate this so um, definitely something to think about
2: Great. thanks for that insight Chris. Certainly uh, a couple of beaten-up factors that, that might get an opportunity to to bounce back, depending on how this plays out. So with that, uh, we would like to check if there are any questions on the line for Chris and Matt. Hi, good morning. Uh, I wanted to ask a question with regard to um, small caps uh, in, in the U.S., but also here in Canada. Uh, Within the Russell 2000, basically the last couple of days, it's gone up by uh, over... Five percent. I really wanted to hear your thoughts on on, on the space, the small cap space. Um, you know, people are playing it as a way to maybe uh, uh, get that inflation trade. So, I wanted to hear your thoughts. And secondly, um, at this point, with the king and being so high, would you would you go hedge
0: or unhedge at this point? Thank you. Yeah. Uh, thanks for the question. And uh, I was tempted to include that in kind of the response to the last question about you know we're asking about. Um, be opening the door for a broader recovery. I think small caps uh, can potentially fit that uh, scenario. Actually, RBC was just out with a report this morning forecasting uh, U.S. small caps to have higher EPS earning per share growth than large caps in 2021. And uh, so, again, when you're, I think, tilting the portfolio and becoming a little more optimistic about um, navigating the scenario small caps, should they have already started to outperform and they should, you know, they should do very well in that environment. So um, I think it's interesting. So we've got the product, the ZSML, um, and then we've got different classes that, that can hedge or the US dollar exposure. Uh, one thing I really like about it, and so we're going a bit into the weeds, but it's SP and p 600, um, small cap universe. You know, one thing S&P does is they apply a profitability test to every company in their indexes. So that's why Tesla wasn't included in the S&P 500. Uh, so if you look at the Russell, Versus the S&P 600, I kind of like the S&P 600 right now, where in an uncertain environment we've got, you know, a index that's applying a profitability screen and making sure these companies are actually turning profits. Um, I think that's kind of a nice space to be in from a small cap point of view. Um, still concerns with, you know, obviously some small caps living on the living on the margin, so to speak. So, um, so I think it's a, it's an interesting, certainly an interesting trade and one that could do quite well over the next. Um, you know, year to two years. In terms of currency, you know, I think, you know, I, I think that, that answers maybe looking at the portfolio level. I mean, we do like having U.S. dollar exposure to hedge um, equities. It essentially gives investors a free diversification tool. You know, looking at where, where we are right now, about, you know, a dollar thirty on a dollar Canada, it's a pretty neutral level for us, I think. Um, and, and, you know, neutral for us might suggest a 50-50 hedge. You know, so your aggregate portfolio level. You know, if you're a balanced investor with a you know a 60-40 portfolio, you know maybe you have 30 to 40% um, exposure to the U.S. Whether that's through equities or bonds, probably suggest being around half hedged right now. And then as we get moves going one way or the other, um, we might suggest a little tilt for that. But I do like having strategic long-term exposure to the U.S. dollar. It you know, tends to benefit portfolios, reduce volatility. Um, so I think. That question, I, I defer a little bit to say, okay, it's, um, we're pretty neutral right now, but look at the whole portfolio. I think fifty-fifty is a, a pretty good place to be right now, and then we'll see uh, where the dynamics take us from there.
3: Hi, Matt and uh, Chris, thank you so much for, um, for your comments. Great, uh, great comments. Uh, just a quick question I was wondering if you can, one of you can touch on uh, ESG investing in a Biden presidency. Uh, There's been a lot of talk about climate change, and uh, um, we know Biden is uh, very much in favor of rejoining the uh, Paris Accord and uh, uh, being a lot more environmentally conscious. So um, uh, if you can touch on um, how that impacts ESG investing and uh, which, which parts of the ESG investing. Thank you.
0: Thanks for the question. Maybe I can start with the equity uh, side of it and and Matt can maybe jump in with any thoughts on the fixed income side. Um, You know, Biden is probably the most ESG friendly president we're going to ever have had um, in the history of of the U.S. Um, And that's, you know, that's partly a democratic philosophy, but it's also, I think, just indicative of where the world's going right now. So um, his biggest economic stimulus kind of bill, the the Green New Deal, it's $2 trillion, and it's significant, it's huge, and it's it's going to really change where dollars get spent. Um, So I think having, you know, we've talked about ESG ESG a little bit on this call, well, actually more than a little bit, but um, it's going to potentially really buoy, you know, give strong um, momentum behind companies that are more environmentally, uh, socially, you know, government-focused. So, um, I think it's, it's definitely a benefit for um, for ESG companies, and uh, you know, as a result, I think investors in those, you know, we have a we have a pretty well built out product line of of ESG um, equities, you know, whether it's in Canada, US or international equities. Um, I, I tend to think under a Biden presidency, presidency that um, you know those could do a little bit better versus the broad index, and we've seen a little bit of that outperformance. Covid and all already time to start to happen. You know, in the past, you used to take a performance tip for investing in ESG. Um, I'm not sure that's going to be the case going forward. I think they could be, you know, a good way to
3: have some some core exposure there. I would uh, echo many of those uh, comments on the fixed income side as well. And I think you know we have we have also two. Uh, ESG products on our fixed income shelf, one being in Canada, one being in the U.S. And you know, I think with Biden um, and his Green New Deal policies, I think that's only going to be a, a positive for ESG investing. I think from an issuer perspective on the debt side, um, you know, having the uh, the president put funds toward um, more ESG centric industries and companies, I think, is going to benefit uh, the debt of those companies, maybe into the, in the detriment of, of some of the more traditional, uh, less ESG companies. So I think those types of, uh, even just from a sector play in the fixed income space, I think you could see some pressure on some of the non-ESG industries, um, their ability to to um, raise, raise capital, raise debt, and I think uh, from the kind of new... Alternative space in the ESG centric industries, I think that that's going to be a positive. So, you know, just looking as a differentiator in fixed income, you know, that just from a sector perspective could be a reason for out, outperformance and differentiation going forward. With that, I'd just like to thank everyone one last time for listening in and enjoy
2: the
1: rest of your day. Thank you to Mark Race, Chris Heeks, and Matt Montemiro for joining us on Views from the Desk. Political uncertainty is still high and could remain part of the economic puzzle into 2021. For solutions to manage the risk, check out ETFs discussed in this podcast, consult your regional BMO ETF specialist, or visit the Canadian ETF dashboard at bmoetfs.ca. If you enjoyed today's episode, we encourage you to subscribe to this podcast and tune in each Thursday morning for timely market commentary and ETF considerations. Thanks again for listening. See you next time. The viewpoints expressed by the Portfolio Manager represent their assessment of the markets at the time of publication. Those views are subject to change without notice at any time, without any kind of notice. The information contained herein is not and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice to any party. Investment should be evaluated relative to the individual's investment objectives, and professional advice should be obtained with respect to any circumstance. Any statements that necessarily depend on future events may be a forward-looking statement forward-looking statements are not guarantees of performance views from the desk has been brought to you by BMO global asset management.